Welcome everybody to episode 41 of the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. As always, I would like to sincerely thank all the interviewees, listeners and the soccer public of the Illawarra slash Australia who download this podcast. Additionally, I'd like to say thank you to the people who contribute, comment and reminisce on the social media pages. This episode's interviewee started playing with Fig Tree Junior Soccer Club in 1990 when she was 10 years old. After three years of junior soccer, Kath Lear had to stop playing due to girls not being allowed to play the sport past the age of 12. Prior to talking to Kath about her move into senior soccer, we talked about Kath's other involvement in our sport with her grandfather, Peter Bannister. Banno, as he was known, is a legend in Illawarra soccer with Coniston as a player and for his lengthy time at University of Wollongong Soccer Club, where he wore many hats. In her teenage years, Kath had a lot of involvement with her grandfather helping him out at the University of Wollongong Soccer Club. In the mid-1990s, Kath joined the senior ranks when she signed with South Coast United, where she developed her football, friendships and a rivalry with Oak Flats. After four seasons with South Coast United, Kath moved to the Wollongong Wolves in 1999 to play state league football and challenge herself as a footballer. Concurrently, around this time, Kath was at the University of Wollongong, where she was studying for a teaching degree. Kath successfully represented the UOW at the University Games, playing football. During her time at UOW, she represented the Eastern University Games team, which toured New Zealand, and she made a green and gold select team, which toured China. In 2003, she joined Winuna Soccer Club and played eight successful seasons. After her eight seasons at Winuna, Kath then spent a few seasons at Baugani Rangers FC, where she played and, in addition to this, went into the player-coach ranks. Near the end of her time at Baugani, Kath then moved onto the Football South Coast Women's Board, where she continues today, striving hard for women's football in the region, along with the other board members. Kath additionally had a year in 2017 as a referee in the women's competition, which shows you the passion and discipline she has for the women's game. It was an absolute pleasure to interview Kath. My respect goes out to her for allowing me into her home and giving up her time. Her journey was amazing to record, and I hope you enjoy the interview as much as I enjoyed recording it. Welcome everybody to the Football United vs Soccer City podcast. I'm here in the leafy surrounds of Ferry Meadow slash Balgowney. Um, I'm here with a very special guest, Kath Lear. Thank you, Kath, for doing the podcast. That's no problem at all. And thank you very much for allowing me into your home. Uh, greatly appreciated. We'll go from, uh, I guess, the beginning of your uh, soccer soccer journey, and that was uh, um, starting with Fig Tree Junior Soccer Club um, in around about 1990 when you were 10 years old. Yeah, I think that's about right. Um, I originally started playing hockey as a junior, and yeah. then um, yeah, eventually just the soccer within the family took me over, and, and Fig Tree is my, my local club, so grew up in Fig Tree and went down and started down there. I think I was graded into the D's and I was the only girl in the club at the time, but um, no, it was it was still a good 
chance out there. My brother was already playing um, for Fig Tree as well, so keep it in the in the family definitely. So it was more that a sibling had been playing that sort of got you across, or was it your mum and dad that sort of said something as well? Uh, maybe they didn't actually trust me with a hockey stick much anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things, but um, yeah, I, I think it's just in the family. So um, with the brother there and ease, I guess, of trainings and things like that, and brought me down to Fig Tree. So. And and what about yourself? Um, you were probably new to the sport at, at ten. Um, which happens to a lot of us. What were your first memories of, of playing there at Fig Tree in that first year, roughly? Yeah, I, I, I guess been a little bit tricky because it was boys that yep. we had to play with. So back in that day, there was obviously no junior girls competition. So yep. playing with the boys is an interesting situation. Um, did get graded into the lowest team, I think just because I was a girl, um, which was a bit disheartening because I yep. had a few kicks around with my brother out the back, and and that's that's helpful that you too. Could yeah. Pass the ball and do the basics. Definitely, definitely. But overall, it, I mean, Fig Tree were a good club back then. Yep. I know they still are now, and um, no, it was it was enjoyable. It was good fun. And and in that um, three years you spent there, in, in the second and third year, did you then uh, go up the grading system, or, or did you stay? stay in the D's because of that perceived you're a female you couldn't play the game yeah I, I think I got up to the C's at one point okay. but again I, I can't you know go off what they thought there and yeah it's just one of those things so you we always like to think we're better than maybe what we are but yeah <laughs> and in terms of that sort of getting down to under 12s and that being sort of a, a sort of defining point and sort of I guess a it shows us where we were culturally within the sport at that time. You then couldn't go any further once you got finished that under twelve season. Yeah, no, definitely there was. We weren't allowed to play with the boys anymore. So um, I I don't know where the age came from, but it was just yep. yeah. Once you hit Some once you hit thirteen, <laughs> puberty maybe I don't know, but um, yeah, it was stopped playing with the boys, um, which meant the next step was the open women's comp. And as a thirteen-year-old, I guess it was a it was extremely a bit, difficult, bit trickier, but. I did break my ankle that year anyway, so I wouldn't have, uh, not not playing soccer, chasing my brother, or my brother was chasing me, so <laughs> wouldn't have been able to play anyway, but yeah. And and do you, um, do you recall how you felt at the time in terms of, you know, you, you played for three years, um, there was obviously the connection with your brother, did you, did you feel a bit sort of disheartened that that, that was the case, that even though you did something to your ankle and, and hurt it, um, but you couldn't go on in the sport? Yeah, it's frustrating, definitely frustrating that it gets to that point where just because of the gender that you are back in the day that you could not, couldn't continue unless you did go open women's. And I, I wasn't a very tall child and I'm not a very tall uh, adult. And yeah. so that w- would have been quite daunting if I went over there um, at 13. But I think I eventually went over there at 14 or 15 anyway. So Yeah, that's what I was going to say in your timeline. Um <laughs> You then went to, in 94 or 95, you know, a couple of years later, you went to South Coast United. Yep. And and so how did that move come about? Uh, it actually came out from my grandfather. Um, he knew yep. Manny Devo, um, who was the coach at South yep. Coast United at the time, and so contacted him and um, we then contacted me and I went up and joined the girls up there. So had a... a, a interesting age age range I was obviously the youngest but yep. we had 18 year olds in the team and things like that so it wasn't like it was a, a huge gap in age and 
a lot of the older players who I'm still really good friends with now, but Carla, Sam, Carol, um, they took me under their wing and, and just pretty much looked after me while I was there, which was really nice of them. So it's good. And I guess that's a, um, a good uh, segue before we talk about more about South Coast United, about about your grandfather. Yep. Um, and then I'll, I'll let you uh, uh, name the man who, who for, for me, is uh, soccer royalty in, in this area, one of many uh, huge figures in terms of what they've achieved and whatnot. So can you give us his name and... and um, what his connection was to the game here. Yeah, surely. So um, it's Peter Bannister, or better known as Banno, I think, yep. around all of the soccer traps. And um, for me, when I was as young, he was with the University yep. uh, Soccer Club. I know he did play for Coniston when he yeah, first came out yeah. um, to Australia. So he's immigrant from England. I came out with the family, built the house that we're sitting in at the moment, which is quite nice as well. Um, and, yeah, I everything I saw of him was everything to do with soccer. and. Yep. That's probably what kept me in the game as well and gave me that opportunity, as I said, for to go and join a women's team. And he was always there to, to make that sure that I had that opportunity, which was pretty good. And in those teenage years, uh, apart from, uh, you know, playing some juniors and, and then you went to South Coast United, which we'll talk about, um, you did then spend some time with him um, down at Coolabong. Yep. Um, what are your memories of of those sort of years where you would help out in the canine and, and I guess be a de facto committee person. <laughs> yeah. In essence. Yeah. No, it's a, it was an interesting uh, time. It was good again around, around football anyway. I guess it gave me something to do on a Saturday. Um, yep. The first sort of time we started to work on stuff was when they were still playing inside the uni yep. and we'd have like a tent set up as a canteen. <laughs> I remember that. And I used to be the ball, I'm still calling boy, ball boys. So I don't yep. need to yep. <laughs> use the other term. Um, and used to start off like that and then I started, as I got a bit older, they uh, got me into the canteen when we moved across to Coolabong and, yeah, just helped out every Saturday home game and, yeah, just uh, continued on. Let's just say the liquor licensing laws now probably would have prevented a little bit of that, but um, <laughs> it was back in the day. We're good. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's any uh, people listening that are going to do anything about about that. So for you, um, would, it, would it be fair to say that in that period there where you're going down, um, inside the uni uh, campus itself, but then they went to Coolabong. So were you there when um, it then opened um, the year that it, whatever it was? Yeah, I, I would have been around. I can't completely remember the opening, definitely. We've got some newspaper clippings about it, but um, uh, as it actually opened, and I know that they built the uh, pretty much he, he actually built the change rooms and things yeah. around. And I know they're quite small, so you can blame my grandfather for that. Um, I've been down to uni on many occasions. <laughs> the change rooms are small. But, yeah, so he built that facility, the change rooms, the dugouts and stuff like that around Coolabong. And I do remember, you know, some weekends there being down there. I wasn't building, but, you know, watching what they were doing and, and just seeing the, the ground itself develop, which I think um, it's pretty nice, actually, to, to watch a ground be built up. Yeah, definitely, and it, and it is a great facility, and um, yeah, I wouldn't call it the smallest uh, rooms. I think Rurilla, um down there, they've got a, a pretty small ground, and I think Wanuna's uh, uh, Ocean Park uh, rooms before they burnt down uh, were fairly small as well. For you, um, do you think um, uh, watching um, the University Soccer Club play um, sort of helped you a bit in terms of learning the game and, and watching uh, the men play 
um, first grade and reserve grade and whatnot sort of help you understand a bit more of the game? Yeah, uh, definitely. I, I've always enjoyed watching football and um, it's the same sort of stuff back then. Um, you learn so much watching. That's what I think, um, yep. to see decision-making on the field. For me, that's a big part of the game is that decision-making ability and when people should pass the ball or, or things like that. And the other thing about um, Bano was that he, he used to talk it up as well and yep. he used to talk about, you know, they should have done this or that. So as, you know, as a young teenager listening to all of that, it just, we're, you know, it just starts to seep into your memory and, yeah, and think about what you can do when you're on the field. Um, it was definitely one of the good things about him is um, that side of the game. And he would always, when he'd watch me play, he'd, he'd be the one to tell you the truth. <laughs> he'd, you know, everybody else is really nice. Oh, you played a good game. And was, oh, you should have done this and this and this. And, you know, we'd, we'd go down the yeah. We'd go down the local park and he'd teach me how to tackle properly and, and all of that sort of stuff just to improve improve the game. So it was really good. And he wasn't just an administrator. Like you said, he, he started off at Coniston um, when he did come out and then and played for a long period with with the with the books and um, yeah, it was a he might have even still been playing. Um, in the 90s when you were sort of down there? He could have been. I, I can't remember that, though. Um, <laughs> I do know he played. He definitely played well into his 50s, and yep. I think in the end it was just he, he had a bit of a bunged ankle and bad knees, which I think have transferred down to me as well. But um, <laughs> and I think, you know, he probably, if he, he, if he didn't have those, I reckon he'd be playing as long as he could, definitely. Back to South Coast United. Um, you're there, um, you're at a very young age. Like you said, you mentioned some... Uh, some women before that sort of took you under your wing. Um, how did you see that first year, sort of 94, 95? You're playing open women's, 14, 15 years of age. Um, before you answer what youth or thought, uh, what were your parents thinking in terms of, you know, seeing their daughter playing against uh, women? Yeah, um, I don't actually think they, they worried too much, to be honest. Yep. I, I think because they knew my temperament I was an interesting child so they knew my temperament and and I think though they um came down and they would have met Manny and and the girls and and the women playing and just knew that it was the right fit and I think that was the other thing that um, my grandfather said too like he picked that club because he just knew it would have been the right fit that they would have looked after me and and made sure that I was okay on the field because you do come up against some uh, strong, strong yeah. players. Yeah, um, Julie Porter being one of them, so an ex-Matilda. Always remember playing against her when she was playing for Oak Flats, and she was a, a strong player. And sometimes I was in awe watching <laughs> playing against her and just seeing some of the things that she could do on the field. But yeah, it was good. So that that first year, do you remember sort of some of the games, or even just a feeling of what it was like to? to sort of be amongst it on game day? Yeah, there's probably a couple of little things that happened in the first year that were memorable. Um, one of them, I'm pretty sure another an opposition player tried to stand me up and um, well, not get violent, but, you know, try and assert their authority yeah. over me. And I just remember the um, Carla and Sam and Carol just came and straight in front of me, in between me and the player, yeah. just to, you know, that protective side of things. And that was definitely a memory that, that stuck in me. And, you know, uh, we had a pretty decent season that first year as well. Um, can't remember if it was one of the ones we ended up winning, but um, we had strong performances. So. And, and so after that first year, you obviously enjoyed it to then then stay there and continue so um was it a matter of that team um was it relatively new and then people like yourself coming in younger players and then you gradually got better 
Um, yeah, I think so. So the, originally they came across from Kanahooka. So they okay. were the Kanahooka Kinetics. Um, so they came across from there and uh, became joined up with South Coast United and played up at Ian McLennan Park. And then, yeah, I just think because it was just a nice family atmosphere, like yeah. a really good bunch of people to play with and, you know, coaching was good, training was always good, fun, all of that sort of stuff. And for me, that keeps women's teams together when yeah. it's a good atmosphere around the club that you're happy to be there because there wasn't, it wasn't linked to the men's club or anything like that either. It was just... Separate. Yeah, separate Separate there. entity. So for you, um, you talked about a successful season there. What do you recall of that season sort of... I guess it's sort of 97, 98 probably. Yeah. Um, things just gelled and... Yeah, definitely. And things things gelled. I think um, we got we did get a few younger players through as well um, around that time as, as we moved through. And, yeah, I think grand final wins, we always had a really um, big rivalry with Oak Flats yeah. as well. And I always remember that rivalry more than anything else. So, like, if you look at the rivalry now between Albion Park and, and Uni in the yeah. current women's yeah. comp, it was a very... A similar rivalry between us and Oak Flats back in the day and every game was a tough game against them and it used to be us or them uh, <laughs> that would take the, the final stuff out. But yeah. and, and do you recall um, in regards to the competition, um, what sort of size it was? Was it a 6, 8, 10 team competition roughly? Yeah, across the time I was playing, um, it was really just one division yep. but um, it, it fluctuated. I can't remember if there was a second division towards the end. Yep. But uh, definitely just one division that would go from 10, 10 teams mainly that yep. would be in there. And then every now and then we'd have another team pop in and, and things like that. And, and you spoke about Julie Porter before, who I've had on the podcast uh, uh, many episodes ago. And she was a delight to, to interview and a real pioneer um, mm. in the true sense of the word yep. um, for the area and the sport in general. Um, how did you know about her? Was it just talked about that? You know, she's a Matilda, or maybe it wasn't even Matildas back then. But did, did was it the other teammates that spoke of her and, yeah. and other strong players in the competition? Yeah, it was definitely it was definitely other teammates um, for me at that age that were, were telling me about her and that she played for Australia. Um, yeah. I honestly can't remember if it was Matildas. I'm yeah, not I. sure. I'm not sure when that came across, but it was. Yeah, she's played for Australia and and things like that. So and yeah, but just you know. Being on the park with her and then at other games, like watching her play, like yep. you could just tell her skill level and the way, you know, the way she could play was, was it was, yeah, it was, was really a high good. Standard. Definitely. Before we move on to the next part of the interview, um, I have an interview with Sam Allen a former teammate of Cats at South Coast United. So I'd like to thank Sam for, for her time and um, please bear with me as this was recorded over my mobile phone. Um, so the sound might not be of the best quality. So uh, I'll now put it across to uh, my interview with Sam Allen. And on the line now I have Sam Allen. Sam, back in the day in the 1990s, mid-1990s, um, played with Kath Lear at South Coast United. Sam, welcome to the podcast and, and thank you for taking my call. Thank you very much for inviting me. And and, and can you, um, I know it was a, a while ago, um, over over 25 years now, but do you recall um, Kath at South Coast United or when she came to the club? Um, well, initially, um, obviously, a few of us have been playing for a while before she... Um, 
before she turned up. Yeah. Um, off the top of my head, she would have been oh, 13, 14 maybe. Yeah, that, that's, maybe, that's maybe, the age. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think her mum and dad brought her along to her first training session, so she was very quiet back then. Um, <laughs> then she turned up, she started training, and she fitted in quite well because um, most of us were just a little bit older than she was. Yeah. Um, and I think she was one of the youngest in the team at the time. Um, I think we had a, a mix of different age groups. Um, okay. If I remember correctly, she was one of the youngest ones at the time. And 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 for you, um, I think she was saying at the time you guys had come across from Canahooka uh, Kinetics, or or a few of the players had. Um, it was a fairly successful period there at South Coast United, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. We actually had a um, a lot of support um, from the men's club. Okay. Um, back then as well. Um, a few of us, yeah, um, Kinetics and a few of us come from different clubs prior to that as well. Um, and we're pretty much looking after ourselves at Kanahooka. Um, <laughs> we basically, we were the committee, we were the players, we, we were the coaches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and then back then it started, the, the men's clubs had to start were starting to um, have a women's team women, as part of their mix. Women's teams, that's right. Um, and it, there was talk that every club had to have a female team, okay. which still hasn't eventuated. But <laughs> <clears throat> and then I think it, they actually approached us because they were playing at Kembla Grange and we were playing at that Okinawara, Kanoka area. Um, and I think they approached us and we went, yeah, why not? Um, it's a great feel. I said they did support us back then. Um, no, and I think it was a good move on our behalf. And, and in terms of Kath, um, she's uh, smaller in terms of uh, height. Um, so oh, yeah, put this way, I'm, I'm pretty much the same height she is, so I'm pretty <laughs> short as well. So was it a case of that? Um, when someone like that comes in around 14, 15 and, and comes into the senior ranks that, um, you know, some like you said, there was a, a couple of other women in the team that were a, a bit older that you guys um, or, or the ladies then protected her to a certain extent or the younger players in the team? Yeah, I think so. Um, because I think we were all there at one stage. We, yep. um, and I, we all started at a young age and there weren't um, a lot of players back then. We didn't have the opportunity back then as what you have now. Yeah. So when you have new players coming along, you try to protect them, to encourage them and, mm. and to make sure that they actually keep playing, um, which she is one of the players that did keep playing in the long run. Um, yeah, no, because we're, we're a small community as such, we all, yeah, we all stick together and help each other out as much as we can. And and what about um, Kath as a teammate? Um, what do you recall of her in terms of her playing ability and just um, being a, a team member on and off the pitch? Um, no, well, she she had the ability um, yep. to be a good player. Um, she's always been a team player. Um, initially, obviously, her being a little bit quiet um, in the first stages, she didn't. Um, oh, I don't know. She wasn't pushy or she didn't jump out and say, oi, give me the yep. ball or whatever. Yep. Um, 
But um, no, she's um, that was a good thing about that team. We we're, were pretty supportive of each other, and um, and then uh, she improved as time went on, and she got more confident, and um, yeah, then she started. Yeah, I know she was she was good. She was a good player back then. She had she had a good future in front of her. She kept going. I guess when you first saw her, when you first saw Kath, and then she was you know um, pretty reserved. Um, just joined the senior ranks. Um, if you compared her then and then when, I guess, the last year that you played with her after a, a couple of years of playing together, could you see that she transformed herself into a uh, sort of a better player? Yes, definitely. She um, became more confident within herself um, and her skills improved and she wasn't the baby of the team anymore either. So there was a probably you probably find it, 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 like a big circle, so there she was there in the middle, and there was younger players below her. Um, and so then she would be helping those players. Um, but yeah, she's uh, definitely improved from from year to year um, on and off the field. She's become more vocal. She wasn't scared to put us in her in our in our place if if um, we did the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks to uh, Sam Allen there for saying a few kind words about Kath and her time at South Coast United, where they both played in the mid-1990s. Now back to the interview. So at the end of the the 98 season, um, you then um, went across to the Wolves. Um, Why? Um, and and I'm assuming it was because it's a, a representative team and yep. it was at higher level um, and you wanted to test yourself, but I'll let you answer. But did you get sort of asked to go across or was there trials or how did it come yep. about? So that year um, we actually got, there's a few of us got asked to go and try. Yep. So um, they rang us up and, and things like that. And it was good. And that was where South Coast and I were really good again. Like Manny yep. was a great coach because he just said it's it's an, the next level up, up. So you might as well go and, and give it a go. So I think there was about four of us that yep. were playing at South Coast United at the time um, that went across and trialed and then ended up in, in the Wolves squad for for that following season. And it was, it was just that next step, that giving yourself a, an opportunity to play um, against some Sydney teams and um, just seeing how you go, to be honest. And and what were you uh, thinking at the time by making this squad? Because, um, you know, you're in your late teens, 18, 19. Yep. Um, the Wolves, um, as, a, as a club in general, were sort of hitting, hitting their straps on the men's level. So yep. to have... Uh, a comparable women's team in in the state league. It must have been a huge honour and and been very exciting for you. Yeah, it, def- it definitely was. And then it was also a, a new step up in training as well. Yep. So um, obviously starting to train uh, more often, different types of training, and yeah, just getting to play at that higher level. It it, it does. It makes you feel good about yourself and yep. and that you are you know you are playing how you should be playing or how you think you should be playing and. And just to try and, and push yourself, I guess, as, as far forward as you can. And I always, uh, in these uh, podcasts, I, I get a bit excited about um, the interview and whatnot and forget to sort of describe uh, uh, the player's position, um, the, the person that I'm interviewing. So, um, 
at South Coast and then being selected for Wolves, what position were you playing yeah. roughly? So I, at South Coast, I, the, I was probably playing left midfield. Yep. Um, I am not a left-footed player, but I learnt. So that okay. was really beneficial for me as well. Um, so they had me out on the left there. And then with the Wolves, it, it changed a little bit. So there was times that I played uh, a defensive centre mid. Yep. Um, and there are times that I'd play at sweeper and then okay. in the back line a bit more. So so that was a bit of a change then for yeah. you as a player, I guess you're, you're stepping up in terms of challenging yourself against more skilled players, but then you're, you're moving on into a more defensive role. How yeah. did you find that? Um, different, definitely different. Um, but I think overall my mindset is more of a defensive player. So okay. um, I think it, it, it wasn't too hard to to move into those different yep. positions um sweeper when we still played with a sweeper was a was a interesting one be, being that last line of defense and um, yeah. you make a mistake and well you know everyone notices whereas you, you're further up the field you make a mistake it's okay <laughs> it's all right but um yeah it was a learning curve definitely but um again um it was just it just seemed like an easy transition to make and, and who was the coach of that team in that year, do you recall? Oh, um, there was quite a few coaches we had at the Wolves. Uh, Gus Masters, yep. I think, was the head head coach at that time. You had four seasons there yeah. from 1999 to 2002. Yeah, we've had um, Moz, Moz Tacker, I think, was in yep. there as well at one point, and Stan, um, Stan Pappas. Okay. So I know he, Stan's coached in the local. So some names people local. in the yeah. area would be familiar with. Yeah, and Jeff Wilson. Pretty yep. much, I finished off at the Wolves. I think Jeff was coaching there at one one point in who's, time as well. Who's still around in he some is, shape yeah. and form? I think he's with the Stingrays at the moment. Yeah. So yeah. So for you, um, do you recall um, any of those seasons, or or there was a run of games where you know you played up in Sydney against other teams where you felt you were really in a zone or in a purple patch? Um, yeah, it's probably one of the earlier seasons. I know I was actually in reserve grade for a lot of the season, yep. then played off the bench in first grade for a little bit. And it was our reserve grade team. We actually were quite successful one of the seasons yep. and made it through um, to a grand final, which we lost in a penalty shootout. <laughs> I, I do remember that because I did miss a penalty. So <laughs> those things never go from your mind. But no, um, that that was definitely, a, it was a decent season for us. Um, the first, first grade side didn't go as well, but um, it's still nice to have that that um, team within the grand final um, but yeah that was probably the the biggest part of it and and I know that even playing against like Sutherland at one point in time we've played against past Matildas like Anissa yeah. Tan Derby was was yeah. one of the ones that you would notice through those teams and and you'd hit up against quite a few of the Sydney based Matildas so again it's just that other level and watching those players seeing what the benchmark yeah. is for you um you know did you develop, do you think, from where you were at South Coast, you obviously had the talent to make that squad, but did you see yourself developing further? Because in this period as well, um, concurrently, you were you were going to university. And then um, if, we, if we can, can we talk a bit about that? Because during that sort of same season, yep. running alongside it, you're, you're playing in the University of Wollongong um, team. Yep. So um, what tournaments did you play in? And, um, and then because you did then represent um, the green and gold. So can yep. you sort of talk us through how, 
how that sort of evolved in those couple of seasons? Yeah, so when I started at uni, so back in 98, I'm pretty sure I started yep. at uni and found out about uni games and yep. um, just I missed the first very first uni games of, of my uni career, but um, the Australian uni games came up after that and someone yep. that I knew through the comp said, well, why don't you come and try out and stuff like that. So uh, did that, great experience. You get to go play in Perth, Melbourne, you know, so everywhere. All the, all the, for the people, the lay people that might not know, all the universities then congregate yep. and play all these different sports. Yep. And um, yours being soccer or football. Yep. And um, you then have a tournament. So is the, um, you know, I know, you know, a few people that have played. Um, so what's the seriousness of the competition? Uh, it's, it is actually quite serious. So uh, I know that they've changed the way that they run the uni games now. So it has yeah. changed a lot since when I was playing. But even when I was playing, there, there's definitely a party atmosphere. Yeah. Definitely. Um, we can't deny that. But the football or soccer competition itself, in particular the women's, was very, very so competitive. The field, it was yeah. white wine fever. Yeah, type definitely. Stuff. Um, Sydney Uni were always a strong team. Um, University of Technology in Sydney, same sort of thing. So it was a lot of the Sydney teams were the yeah. strongest. So even though you had teams from Queensland and Melbourne and Canberra um, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and funny thing is when I played at Uni Games, I was actually playing more forward in, okay. in the squad as well at the beginning and then towards the end of, um, I think, my last year at Uni with that um, green and gold team, I was ending up towards the back again. So it's <laughs> it's very interesting. So that, that 2000 and... Uh that one um, yep. where you were selected for the green and gold, is it the Australian university team that you toured with? Yeah, it's an interesting thing. It's more of a, um, these are the best players at the tournament okay. um, as they classify so as green and gold. So you played the uni games tournament that year in 2001? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry, it was 2000 okay. that we played okay. and the, t- the tour came in 2001. Okay. Um, but um, yeah, it's more like these are the best players. Yep. Uh, in the competition mm. for for the tournament, yep. so you get a, awarded a green and gold um, medal, which is quite nice, quite heavy. And <laughs> then um, from that, I know that we did a, an Eastern Australian team, so from okay. the east, so more so the Sydney teams. We brought yep. them all together, and I know um, we played against a New Zealand uh, rep team that popped over. Um, that was that one game in Sydney, I think, um, that I ended up being selected captain for, which is a great privilege to be on to to be selected as captain for that game. Um, and then after that, um, it was actually a combination of our uni games team and some of the university local players okay. that went across to China for that tour in China in 2001. We were originally meant to go in 2000, yep. but, you know, it's interesting times. But uh, the SARS outbreak and there was a few yeah. other outbreaks that happened that actually postponed our, our tour that year, so we went the following year. So it was, and, and how yeah. did you find that, that tour and... Um and what was it like, uh, I guess, going to another country but representing your country as well? Yeah, it, again, it, it just chalk it up to another fantastic experience that I've had through through soccer. Um, going to China in particular, it's like my parents, we used to travel a lot when I yep. was young, so they'd take us overseas, Europe, never been to China. Um, so actually being able to go over there, we played a couple of Chinese teams and a, and a South Korean team. Yep. Um, different experience yet again, culturally. Uh, we weren't. We had to be out with a guide all the time. We stayed yep. within the university uh, complex mainly itself, um, but then did some normal, you know, touristy tours and things yep. like that. But uh, again, just 
I think the top Chinese team that we had to play against, well, yeah. they, they were good. <laughs> they were very good. So technically they were yeah, very strong. Yeah, technically, you know, just all over the park were really strong and they, they taught us a bit of a football lesson that day. But um, we held our own against the other other two teams, which was really good. Um, from memory, we beat the second China team. I can't remember yeah. what happened with the, the South Korean team, to be honest. Um, but as well as that, it was just – it was – like a really friendly atmosphere too. Like yep. all the teams got together at part of times during the thing, um, during the tour. We were staying in the same place as the South Korean team. So language barriers were interesting, but we still managed <laughs> to play quite a few different um, fun games with them. And so again, just it's just that extra experience you get by just playing football. It's As we know, it's yeah, the world game. Yeah, to different places. Yeah. So, so back to the Wolves, um, you had four seasons there and then you're saying in the those latter two seasons in particular, you, you were playing more first-team football? Yep. Is that, so for you, um, what sort of brought about, um, was it leaving university and then starting up work that sort of got you out of playing with the Wolves or, or what, what What happened there? Uh, the simple thing was it was, it was starting up work. Yep. So um, we would play on a Sunday like the women's comp yep. pretty much does and – um, there are just a few times that you, you're travelling to Newcastle on a Sunday if, if you're first grade or even if you're sitting on the bench or whatever, the game was at five o'clock at night um, yep. on a Sunday night and then you're having to travel back. You get back really late at night and mm. have to get up, crack a dawn, teacher and, and get up and go to work. And it yep. just it, it starts to hit you really hard that because one place you're getting paid money, the other place it's <laughs> you're playing for the love of it. Yeah. Um, and it, it literally was. I think it was a trip to – I was sitting in traffic again on the way to a game on a Sunday. Um, I think I had to go to Manly across the bridge and the traffic was terrible on a Sunday. And I was just sitting in the car and I thought, oh, I, I just can't do it anymore. Like, yep. it was not, I, it's not for the love of it. I, I didn't fall out of love with it, but it was just becoming too hard with full-time work. Just mentally and physically it would yeah. have done something to you, I guess. Yeah, in definitely. a bad way. So, so you did do one season of that and, yep. and did it. So, I guess you were obviously torn then. Um, yep. So, were there a lot of suitors knowing that you know the next season or once you sort of finish there in two thousand and two, they go, well, hey, Cass available. Yeah. Um, many clubs sort of try and get you. Uh, there's a few. Uh, I went down to training at Albion Park. Yep. Um, Jeff Wilson was coaching there, so yep. obviously through the Wolves connection. Um, I knew him. He, he called me up and go to go train down Albion Park. Didn't know many of the players there, but yep. gave it a go. Um, but then one of my other friends, Leonie, Leonie North, yep. um, was playing at Winuna. So she was at the Wolves for a bit and she'd already moved on and was playing at Winuna. And so um, she asked me to come along to Winuna. Huh? Winuna was a bit closer to where I was living as well. Yep. And when I got to Winuna, all the people that I knew were there. Like I pretty much I knew the majority of the team, so it just felt comfortable just to jump in and and start playing there because that was probably uh, I guess in your playing career um, uh, probably the bulk of bulk of your career you had sort of eight seasons there from 2003 to 2010 Um, uh, can you talk about you know some of the seasons um, some of the coaches and some of the players that you interacted with there yeah well um, first starts off like Winuna had two different teams so um, I was with the Blues and the other ones were called the Sharkettes I do believe um, they didn't do any grading. They, they were like two separate teams. Okay. Um, so that that was always interesting. Um, had Jodie Cornford, who's obviously also well-known yeah, around the football traps as our, our coach at the beginning of the year. It was for once a female coach. I hadn't had a female coach all throughout 
uh, the time that I was playing and um, she was really good. Everyone seemed to respect what she was doing. She couldn't play anymore. I think it was yeah. one of the one of the first seasons, first or second season that she could no longer play um, with with her knee injury. Um, but again, just it's, it's not just the coaches, but it was the players around. It just makes yeah. you makes you feel wanted within the team and comfortable. And it's just that atmosphere again. Just keeps you wanting to go back and keep playing there. And and clearly that atmosphere was. Uh excellent because like you said you i said before you spent eight seasons there so was there any sort of league championships grand finals or cup wins that sort of still stick in the memory yeah um we we won the bonnie lassie cup a couple of years so that was that was really nice um for people that are are not from the area that's true that pre-season cup (laughs) that the women's competitions had for for a long period yeah very long period of time um so that was quite nice to to win that pre-season cup we've had grand final wins together um, again, really, really nice to, to be able to get those those wins. I, I think some of the best, well, probably not best memories, but some of the memories that stick are the games that you don't win. Yeah. Um, and then, again, it's just how you stay together as a team and, and support each other. And we'd go to the Bulleye Workers, another local, you know, nice local thing, just to have a drink after the games yeah. and you debrief and it's really good. Um, partway through the time that I was there, um, the Brian Island and John Island, the brothers, yeah. came across to coach and changed the the way that Winuna did it. So we finally started to grade okay. um, across at Winuna. Um, so instead of having the Blues and the Sharkettes as two completely different teams, brought it together and did a proper grading. So we'd have a first division, second division team and, and tried to make it a, a bit more, um, I wouldn't say professional because it was still... still um, two teams took yeah. it seriously, but you were together. And did you see that the change in terms of having two squads that you could come in and out of? Yeah, I I think that definitely made a difference again. Um, And just more players uh, would pop along and things. I think at one point in time we ended up with a third team as well. Um, And again, it's just the difference in training, being able to play games. It it felt a bit more like a club, whereas before it just felt a bit more like... And again, it wasn't a problem being like the teams and things like that, but bringing it together as a club, I actually think we became a little bit more successful after that, um, a little bit stronger too. Yeah. And and for, I guess, um, it's hard to compare apples and oranges, but um, if you had to compare your time at South Coast... And, and the competition at that point in time, uh, the quality of the competition versus your sort of eight seasons there um, yep. with Winuna, had the competition improved in your mind? Yeah, overall, yes, because I think yep. even with South Coast, uh, you'd have, and because there was only one division when I was at South Coast, you'd, you'd have your top three or four teams and, and then uh, the rest. Um uh, so the competition probably wasn't as strong uh, skill level wise. People were starting to become more skillful yep. uh, through that time that I was at Winoon, and you could start to see the the game plans and the the ability to pass the ball along the back instead of the long ball. You know that started to take over too, which um, started to produce a lot better football. And and for you um, in this period of time at Winoon, were you still? playing that sort of defensive type role were you more in the midfield as a def- defensive midfielder or, or where was your sort of rough set position yeah again it swapped around a little bit so mainly center of the park so mainly center midfield so sometimes it would have been a, an attacking center midfield yep. role and other times the defensive center midfield um, and again at, at some points in time I was back as sweeper too so it's just that center of the park uh, kind of role uh, depending on how they felt was how far up the park I'd go I think so. <laughs> and and you spoke about um, 
the South Coast United versus Oak Flats rivalry yep. in, in that sort of mid to late 90s. Um, what was the what were the rivalries in that sort of women's competition from 2003 to 2010? Because you, you're talking that the Winuna team was, you know, always thereabouts. Yep. Um, who, who were some of the other teams uh, that really competed? Well, definitely uh, when it was uh, Winuna Blues, I, I know we had a really big rivalry with Fernhill. Yep. Um, at that point in time, um, David Birch was the coach of Fernhill. Yep. Um, I remember that rivalry as as we moved along. Um, Kemblewara was okay. definitely um, a team that that um, we started to have good competition against and and strong competition. Um, and David Birch was the coach of that <laughs> team too. So, uh, as with many teams in the women's comp, it clubs moved around um teams moved around to different clubs and coaches moved around a lot to different clubs so for you though was it sort of um i guess refreshing and even if you look back on it now as we we do an interview like this that you that you stayed like you said it was sort of uh, happens in the women's comp that you have sort of coaches moving and teams moving and you know it still probably happens a little bit today yep but that you stayed a long period at one club and sort of a group of women yep. that, and and supporters that you played with. Yeah, it, again, it, it's I think that's what makes a club. Um, yep. Players don't move or teams don't move if they're they're happy yep. and and they feel like it's a really good environment. And even the girls that I played with at Winuna, we, we'd played there for a long time together. You know, um, you had Doris Island. Uh, it was the whole <laughs> island family pretty much were playing at the time. So Doris and then her daughters, um, Kate was there before she moved to Sydney and and um, Kristen, I called her Kristen, not Grubby. Uh, <laughs> Kristen and Lisa came along and then even their cousins Mel and... Doris's uh, sister-in-law, Narelle. Like, it was just an island island party, yeah. <laughs> and, and for you, um, early on when you were at Winuna, even though it was it was about vocation and just sort of, I guess, uh, you know, staying alive if you were driving to work and whatnot, but yeah. did part of you sort of um, miss that, that other sort of state league level that you thought, oh, jeez, I, sh- I wish I could go back there, or you just thought, no, nah, I'm in with a great bunch of women. Yeah. It's a nice club. Um, this is still fantastic. Yeah, it was probably more that I was just really happy where I ended up, um, yep. where I was. I, I think for me it had gone past the representative stuff. Okay. Just um, it just I chose career over yep. football. Um, I think I probably could have been still playing it if I changed what I wanted to do with yeah. work. But, um, well, sorry, teach, but... Um, not maybe not be a full time teacher, but do yep. some more casual stuff. But um, no, it just it just felt like coming home. I guess going to Winuna with with everybody that I knew there, and it was just just a really nice club to be a part of at that time. Yeah, and and probably where um, you know we first crossed paths was 2011. So at Balgowney. So what brought about um, you moving from Winuna to Balgowney? Um Let's talk about possibly playing over 30s at Winuna. That, that okay. was probably the first year that um, the over 30s comp started to come together. So um, the possibility of playing that, uh, I was nearly going to stay at Winuna that year, but yep. um, in the end I decided to, to move um, back across. Again, knew quite, knew quite a few people at Balgowney and yep. it was just that difference between, I guess, playing that over 30s competition or staying in a, an all-age um, women's competition um, made made the choice. Uh, it was a difficult choice, but um, a lot of players that I was playing with at Winuna were moving on as well. So yep. um, it's just no that family atmosphere. No, not at all. Sort of not at all. 
yeah. and where people were sort of playing and, yep. and breaking up in that Definitely, sense. Definitely, yeah. So you're at Balgowny, um, you know, and and I think uh, you had a, a few seasons there. Yep. And the, and the last couple were sort of player coach. Yep. So um, in terms of in playing, um, were you still enjoying it at that point in sort of having a kick, competing or? Yeah. Or no, definitely, definitely still enjoying it. I was definitely still enjoying it. And I think um, the change of, of club um, helps you reinvigorate like yep. what you're doing. It's a, a different competition because I, I was now starting to play in the second division competition. Yep. Um, which again, you know, was that different type of thing, different coaching, different group of girls again. Just it's just that um, point when when you have a lot of other players that are, are leaving your team um, and things like that. Sometimes it's just it's it's not easier to move on, but um, it just gives you that new lease on life to hopefully then continue to play, I guess, for as long as you can, pretty much. And and I think it was either the the 2012 or 2013 season that was uh, uh, very successful. Yep. Um, where he's won the league. So yep. um, what do you recall of those seasons? Who was coached? Some of the other players? Yeah, so uh, originally started at Balgowny, it was Umberto as coach. Yep. Um, I know that um, Stewie Oliver came across yep. and coached for a couple of seasons and then I took over. Um, yep. And the same sort of thing. I wasn't originally going to be a player coach. Um, I was just going to coach. I, I think it's actually really difficult to be a player coach. Yeah, definitely. Very difficult. Um we had injuries during the season, so I did end up signing up to play as well. Um, but that was the time that we won that second division competition. We had a really strong team. We had uh, Taryn Ruiz had come across. Uh, she used to play at the Wolves as well. Yep. And uh, Nick Watmail. Um, we'd had a few girls come across and, and we had a really, really strong, strong that second division team. Um, won the competition and then just pretty much went, well, we don't want to win second division again. The whole point is, is you do that, you, you move up Have to first crack. division and you give it a go, even if it's going to be tough. And and our first year in first division was very tough, very <laughs> tough. But the girls stuck through and, and the club stood by us and if kept saying that if you wanted to stay in first division, stay in it. So we never really looked back from that point. And, and sort of during this time as well that you, um, I think, in one of your last one or two years there at, yeah. at Bowgowney that you then sort of got onto the, the Football South Coast Women's Council. Yep. Um, was that always in the back of your head that you would sort of move into administration or did you just have a sort of a sort of want to sort of help? Um, what was the motivation there? Well, I, I don't, don't think it ever was in the back of my head to do it. Yep. Um, but it got to a point, I think... I, I was asked to go across to a meeting at one point in time and I was sitting at the meeting and I know they were talking about it at that point that they were worried that they weren't going to have enough help on the council and that the yeah. council might have to amalgamate with the junior council as well. Um, and then, like, as strong women, we probably started to think about, well... Not that there was nothing wrong with the junior council, but, but we were worried that we yeah we were worried we were going to lose our voice um, within the the football community. And so I talked to uh, Sandy Deppers actually. I remember yeah. talking to her after the meeting, and and it just started to go in my head. Well, you know, why not? I can why not um, with my teaching background and um, watching my granddad do everything he did. <laughs> like I just thought, yeah, I, I could give this a go and get in there and help out because. That's you need volunteers all over, all across the game, and it, I, I know a lot of people talk about. Oh, wish we had this, wish we had that. At one point, I was the same person, but yeah, in yeah. the end, you just go, well, how about I just step up and and put my hand up and and help out then and see what I can do. 
And before we talk a bit more about the administration side and, and being on the, the Football South Coast Women's um, Board, and, and I guess additionally you've been on the Football South Coast overall board as well, yep. um, you know, you, you finished at Bowgowney there. Um, uh, was it just a matter of you, you had had enough in terms of playing? I think it was 2016 roughly that you had uh, had yeah. your last year. Was it more that the legs were done or...? A little bit that the legs were done, a little bit that the head was getting done. Um, there was a big age gap between some of us and some of the younger ones yep. coming through. Um, I really liked the younger girls, but uh, it started to be a little bit different in, I guess, what um, our opinions were about yep. training and game day and yep. when we're prepared and, and then a little bit of temperament on the field. And I think as an older player um, who tries to keep their – temperament um it became difficult at times uh, because of just because of the age gap it wasn't anything against the girls but um as you get older yeah and you know really probably want to start to play with players the same age again because that's you know that generational type of thing um but in the end too i i just didn't want to change clubs again because it's them making all new acquaintances friends connections and it just that and yeah my body was starting to give up on me too my knees <laughs> my knees weren't going too well so well yeah I guess after 22 23 <laughs> years of of playing um it does add up doesn't it it does so for you it wasn't I guess a, a hard decision but you then sort of I guess um put a lot of energies then into um the women's council yep. but you additionally then which must have been a, a harder job being it by itself, but you then did refereeing as well in 2017. <laughs> I did. Was was that just a sort of because you were seen behind the curtains? Yep. Now as an administrator, you knew the the need for for referees, for committee people, and and all these things and all these issues that you know both men and women have. Yeah. Um, did you think, well, okay, I'm not playing. Yep. I can do the. I can do a bit of refereeing. Yeah, it was pretty much that was it. It was the same thing. We all know we have a referee shortage. Um, yep. It's not just in the Illawarra; it's mm-hmm. across the state. Um, there's yeah, a referee definitely. shortage. It's it's not exactly the nicest job to do on the weekend, to be honest. But it was the same thing. We need referees. I thought I'm not playing. I'll yep. give. I'll I'll put my hand up. My dad was a referee. Thought if he could do it, surely I could do it. I mean, he fell over backwards once and dislocated his elbow the day before he went to a trip to Queensland. So. <laughs> Uh, surely I couldn't embarrass myself like he did, but um, <laughs> nice yeah. shout out to Dad. There. Yeah, thanks, Dad. Um, but yeah, it was the same thing. I thought again, we're talking about we don't have shortages. What can we do about? Well, I'm not playing anymore. I might as well, might as well give it a go. Um, and what were your insights into um, uh, being a referee? Um, because I, I guess I've had some interaction with it um, from a sort of as a rank amateur being a committee member yep. sometimes you have to run the line or, or do the youth grade center yep. um, in the last uh, several years when I've been on the committee at Bowgowney in the men's competition so um, how did you find uh, being a referee and and what was your outlook after sort of being one it, it's it's as I said it's a tough job it's a really tough job it's a lonely job so I, I chose just to referee women's yeah as a couple of times I helped out out of, down at a junior game um, but that decision was to help the women's. Um, yeah. To be honest, there was no way in the world I wanted to step on the field in the men's competition um, yeah. at all. 
uh, you just hear some not nice stories. Mm. Um, in the women's comp in particular, it's, it is a really lonely thing as a referee. Pretty much you're the only one there and you're there for two games most of the time, which was one of the main reasons I had to stop because I couldn't do the 180 minutes. Um, and normally you would get the higher division as the second game and that and just became, then, yeah. yeah, you're, you're tired, it's hard work. And it's, concentration levels are down. Yeah, it's really hard. Um, the women themselves, there's pretty nice to referee um didn't really have too many many troubles so um there's lots of whinges about handball (laughs) that happens in every game Uh, just sometimes you like to play um but again that first division competition that that rivalry I just remember vividly I didn't want the game and it was an Albion Park Tarawana game and I got the game and it just it that rivalry um it wasn't a nice rivalry, to be honest. Like yeah. both teams are, are fantastic, both groups of players are fantastic. But for some unknown reason, whenever they played against each other, it was more about um, getting under each other's skin than playing football. And I think that was the hardest yep. thing that I've ever had to deal with as a referee. And at times, I'd just have to say you have to play football. Um, but it was more, yeah, it was like a mental game with them. Yep. Um, but. It's yeah, it's not an easy gig as a referee. Um, as I said, though, the women's comp not too bad. You didn't get too much, you know, stuff from the sidelines. Yep. We don't have huge crowds, so it wasn't that. But it was, um, yeah, just just a lonely, very lonely game. And and you say lonely because uh, in particular, there's there's not always, and and probably ninety percent of the time, there's no lines yep. linesmen at all. So um, you know, it's it's hard to make a sort of I guess an offside call when yep. you angle. Um, I'm not a referee, um, <laughs> so I can't really judge. But it must have been difficult in that sense that you're not just lonely physically, yep. but you're lonely because you haven't got the help to make no. it a, a well refereed game. Yeah, and and that that is one of the the bigger concerns I think as it moved as it moved along was that is you are you're out in the middle of the field again with the women you, you would just tell them at the beginning of the game and, and most of the time they're really good about it yep. I mean, people are always going to want to call offside but yeah, um yeah. but majority of the time they knew that they didn't that there was no one there or or who was there was the person who could pick up the flag and and you know just run the line Do for the you on the day but yeah it, it went away from obviously when you when you play in a when you play soccer in a team, you get to go to the pub after the game and have a debrief. But as a referee, you, you're the only one there. You can't yeah. exactly go off and with the club after the, the game and have a have a drink. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was it was an interesting interesting time. So you only did that for the one season. Yeah, but did that, that um, stint though as a referee because you're on the women's council as well? Did it it really give you an insight of of how the game was because you were seeing two divisions, so you were seeing the teams. You know how they were set up. You're going to different grounds. Yep. You're seeing the facilities, um, although extremely taxing physically and mentally. Did it give you some sort of, I guess, some evidence, some information about the game as a whole? Yeah, no, it definitely did. Um, I think um, it is hard on the women's council to get out to watch lots of different games, as we we have upwards of forty three teams mm. that um, are in with the competition. Um, so actually being allocated to to the grounds um, and you did you got to see again you got to see clubs that that really looked after their teams um, and then you got to see clubs that probably could have been doing a little bit of a a better job um, to help out and support their teams on the day Um, but it was definitely yeah definitely gave a good insight into all the different things that possibly we could bring in um, into the future and and support the the women's teams as best as we can 
Do you think it was um, sort of difficult in the same same instance that you know you were seeing things as a referee um, that you know as maybe as a, a football South Coast women's counsellor that you might not have seen, so you sort of had to be tread carefully at times. Yeah, definitely. So whenever I was at the game as a referee, the council hat came off, um, yep. but it. It sticks in my mind and it sticks in my memory if, if there were things there that we probably needed to address as a council. I just wouldn't do it on that day. So yep. it would possibly, you know, we'd talk about it at our council meetings and try and try and rectify it from there because it, it is interesting to have the two different hats on, but just tried to disassociate yeah, yeah. for both of them, definitely. And 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 up until even now, um, what's your position on the Football South Coast Women's Council? Yes, I'm currently uh, head of council, yep. so uh, sitting in that job, um, which means that I'm also on the board of directors yep. at Football South Coast. So. so, so how does that work? Um, if you, you know, we don't want to give any sort of commercial and confidence sort of information, yep. or, or, or for you to speak out of school, but. But how is that interaction for you as the head of Women's Council and then going on the overall Football South Coast board? How does that work in terms of um, what you're doing or what you additionally do on the overall board and, and how you bring um, what the Women's Council want to the overall yeah. board? I think the way that the Football South Coast board works is is really good. So you have a, a representative from all the competitions. So the Women's Council have the rep, the Men's Council do, the Juniors Council do. Um, our referees yep. um, also have a representative on, on the board as well, which is really good. Then you have the independent directors on the board. Um, we get to bring – we do a report every every month to the board yep. um, as part of what's going on in our, our competitions, which is re- gives the rest of the board really good insight. Um, if there's any issues, we, we can look at it if it needs to be at board level. But most of the time, uh, it's just more of a, this is how the competition's running. Yep. Um, keeps everybody up to date with what's going on. The majority of the time, we deal with um, our competition manager and the CEO more so than the board. Yep. But it really is. It's, it's good just to be able to um, have that voice on the board as well. Um, but again, it just it gives you a picture of the whole of football as well so sometimes I think we get stuck in you know this is the Our women's council niches. this is yeah. this is what we want as a women's council but by being on the board you can see the whole picture um, which helps um, being able to relay information back as well to, to possibly why something can't happen or to possibly why something is happening so it's good and and although uh, I don't want to get sort of too political about it um, you know uh, from a from a women's council perspective, um, and like I said, I don't want it, you to have to speak out of school. But you know, what are some of the main issues that that Football South Coast Women's Council are encountering in the last few years? Um, look, I suppose it's the the biggest issue. I think is facilities yep. for women. Um, we still have clubs that don't have access to change rooms yep. um, for their, their teams as they come along. So they'll turn up and there's nowhere to change. It's an ongoing issue all over the place. Yep. But that's probably our, our biggest issue. Um, we're getting better. Um, so some of the things we put in our nominations now is that you need to make sure that. that you have that access and, um, you know, give the, the women uh, that best type of, of stuff in play. Um, referees, but again, that, that's with everybody, but I know that um, 
just getting a centre referee about three years ago for all of our divisions was really, really tricky. We'd get our first division ones and, and a lot of our second division, but then our lower divisions were not getting Suffering. it, um, which again was tricky, but we've put we've tried to put things in place to hopefully, you know, try and build up on that and, and really push through getting some more junior referees running lines on women's games, giving them experience that way. So they're probably were the probably the two key key issues definitely and, and what about the positives because um, um, I see um, uh, from my side of the fence there was the women's youth league um, has that been a positive it, it appeared to be for me that it gave an opportunity to sort of bring sort of older junior teams and some yep. some younger players if you had it at a club to sort of come together and form a competition yeah I, I, we still see it as a positive I, I know that there's um, we really want to build on that competition. There always will be a gap when female players stop playing football, mm. uh, especially in that later teenage teenage years. Um, for our women's clubs, it's been a real benefit because uh, you sort of run it like the men's a little bit yep. better. Um, and some of our clubs have been calling out for that. Um, but to be able to have that, that youth, be able to use them whenever they want, um, has been, been really good for our women's clubs. But I know that the, the junior clubs probably haven't seen that connection as well for them um, if they haven't had a women's team. So the, if they've put in a youth league team but they don't have a women's team, they yeah. don't see the benefits as much as, I guess, what our, our women's clubs are actually seeing um, to have that, that game played. But um, we're hopefully hoping hoping for, for a few more this year as well and try and get that second division up and running for a youth league comp too. And, and what about... Um in terms of other positives, Albion Park in the last few years, um, it's been a remarkable story, regardless of gender, um, their winning percentage and and what they've achieved has been phenomenal for the area and it's really, you know, I know it has probably had um, uh, some media exposure but it probably should have got a bit more. Um, It must be proud for you guys as a women's council to have a team that, you know, might not be good for the comp in itself. (laughs) but it's still good that they're sort of flying the flag for the area and football no, south coast. No, definitely they they're they're a strong club. I think what a lot of teams don't realize and other clubs realize is they didn't start out that way. And yeah. and I know that Mac has said it quite often. Um, their coach he's he said it all the time. They did start out in in lower division. They started out losing games, but they again it's that club culture that has kept yeah. that team together. And it was those players that were losing the games at the beginning, but they stayed together and built on that team atmosphere and very, very successful club. Very, very good team, very strong team. And just overall as, you know, how they've been playing and, and representing has been really good. And and what about um, the Football South Coast Women's Council and, and, and the link with Stingrays? Um, is there one? Um, how does it work? And, and, and it is a, an important aspect um, to have that sort of state league representation, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, so so it is. So um, the link isn't really quite there, I guess, along on what people think it is. So the Stingrays are a separate entity, yep. um, like the Wolves are. Yep. So linking, so fo- are actually separate from Football South Coast. But it, it's important to know that they are our pathway. Yep. Um, currently, our pathway. Um, we do have the Flame now, at Football South yeah. Coast, but unfortunately, they don't have an all age women's in the MPL yeah. and. Um, that's not for want of trying that at the moment football New South Wales haven't allowed that um, so our pathway for our older for all aged women is to go through the stingrays who are still a very quite a successful club on on yeah. the field definitely so um, into the future um, 
you know, if you, you had your wish list, um, uh, what would that um, entail? The sort of top three to five uh, items that if you could sort of make it a bit better yep. um, for the for the women in the game, what would it be? Um, I guess to to have clubs more so than teams. We're, we've still got a, it's not as many, but we've still got a couple of just one team um, yep. clubs. Um, so to have that, I'd love to see the the pathway, the youth league, so the juniors to the youth league, to the women's, to an over thirties comp. Yep. I, I'd love to have a club have that pathway and that to be the norm yep. across all the clubs. Um, definitely would like to see um, again nothing against the Stingrays. They are our NPL one team, yep. but we've got so so many talented players down here that also miss out on the Stingrays. Yep. Um, so to have another uh, representative team, so hopefully one day we can talk to i don't know get football new south wales <laughs> to say yes you can the flame can become an M- npl t- two team so you're not competing against the stingrays yes. it's a different level um that would definitely be part of it too but yeah number one is definitely having clubs and yeah. having that pathway so players will play from juniors all the way through to finish their career in an over 30s team and and what about um yourself um reflecting on on what you've done thus far um uh, what are the highlights in terms of your playing career um when you look back on it because you had so many successful periods i guess yeah. you know you, you did a little bit of baugani in terms of that one season but you know winuna yep. um the wolves south coast united do you yeah. just um appreciate it all or, or was there a certain time there where you thought geez this is the best i was playing uh probably not i think it's just overall appreciation of of all the times um each little area was my own little family so i I still um talk and and hang out with the uh, women i played at south coast united with so i mentioned earlier sam carla um see them quite often um carol every now and then um carol's a life member of the women's uh football women's soccer association i think it was when she was life member so um it's those lifelong friendships um that for me makes the difference yeah well that's what i was gonna i guess uh, another part to the next question was yeah what about those friendships because um uh, football like any other sport but in particular you you mix with a lot of people from different backgrounds um so you must be proud of the friendships that you've developed over you know 30 40 years you know yeah no definitely as i said it's it's what makes people stay at clubs is that friendships that that you develop and unless you want to move on and and be at that higher representative level you you'll stay in local football with the 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 friends that you have as you play around because that's you hang out every sunday you'll train with them once maybe twice a week you go on trips away all of that sort of stuff it's just like another little extra family for you and and do you think um uh, looking back on it you know you you um, a person that's given a lot to the game. Do you look back on, say, your dad, for example? You said he was a referee, and yep. and then your grandfather as well. That you know their sort of input into the game um, has sort of given you a sort of energy or an education to do what you can as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I think if I didn't have those those guys as role role models and seeing the different types of things that they did within the game, um, I probably wouldn't have stayed in for as long as I I have. Um, I like to try and somehow try and make my granddad proud by staying in the game yep. while I can, while I'm around, um, to make sure that I'm, I'm giving back something to the community that gave me so much, to be honest. So that gave me great group of friends, good chance of physical activity. So it's just that it's my time to give back now, definitely. 
well, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people, um, and I know myself, uh, respect what you do and, and uh, what you've given to the game and continue to give to the game. Um, uh, what does the, the future hold for you in a, in a football capacity? I know myself it's, it's hard to uh, keep giving energy um, in certain roles, yep. um, just like it is as a player. So, um, you know, if and when you uh, move off the Women's Council, will you still have involvement in the sport? Um, I'd like to think that I can be involved as long as I'm in the country, definitely. So um, I'm taking a three-month trip this year, so heading overseas for a little bit to celebrate yep. my 40th birthday. We can throw <laughs> that in there. Happy um, birthday when it when yeah, it happens. Thank you very much. Um, but when I come back, you know, I'd like to still give as much as you can give. I, it is difficult as a volunteer nowadays. Yeah. It, it seems with, just like with any job, I guess, the admin side of things is creeping up on a lot of people. Um, and I know clubs would feel the same way that you feel that you don't seem to have as many people willing to help. But there's lots of people that are doing fantastic That's things great. around the place. Yeah. Well, Kath, especially on a weekday, and uh, I'd like to thank you very, very much um, for allowing me into your home. Um, respect um, and appreciation go out for that. And thank you very much for, for giving up your time. And um, it's been fascinating and, and extremely interesting, and I dearly appreciate it. So thanks, Kath, for being on the podcast. No problem. Thank you for having me. Well, it is here where we finish episode 41. Again, thank you to Kath for her time and for access to her archives. It was an absolute pleasure. As always, thank you for listening and downloading this podcast. I'm your host, Travis. Goodbye for now. (laughs) 